0: Hey everyone, welcome into the Gridiron Pick Show. Michael McQuaid here uh, with Oliver Connolly, week three of the NFL season. Oliver, or Ollie, sorry. Can you believe that it's the third week already of the NFL season? It seems like I was sitting talking to you on a, on Zoom calls about Cliff Kingsbury and certain offenses in June, and now we're deep in the midst of a third week of the season
1: oh man it feels like about week eight to me already um god i i I think and i'm this is not some kind of braggadocious thing i think i've watched every single game twice but one already (laughs) which i know it sounds crazy but i'm trying to flood my notebook so that by week seven week eight i can kind of pick and choose where i want to be and kind of see they wanted to look like this as a team what have they kind of done when you kind of dip in for week 8 rather than what you end up having to do in kind of the role I do which is in week 9 spend you know 50 hours running through every single game multiple times so um, yeah I feel as though I've consumed a season's worth of, of games already at this point
0: some seriously good content that you produce as well and i know that uh, we will talk about it whenever we're talking about some of these games we're going to look at some of our picks um, of the week before we do that just to make people aware that we're getting our odds from unibet and there's also a link in the description folks if you want to check out an offer from unibet um, it's a bonus on your first sign up check it out but please do be aware 18 plus gamble aware and please folks only spend or only bet what you can afford Um, in terms of our bets last week ollie uh you were spot on saying the patriots minus two well done I didn't no, feel like I need to give you like a medal or something. Well, thank you,
1: because you were you were down on that one. You were like, Wait, really? You're doing that? I know everyone's got the consternation about the pages. You give me points with Bill Belichick against Mitch Trubisky, I'm taking them every time. Um I did want to say to start the show. Uh, I had messages throughout the week, I know I talked to you about this offline, multiple DMs from people about stuff I got wrong last week, so I would just like to to put out up front, and they were not saying that I was wrong for picking the games, I just want to make it very, very clear up top, I am not a gambler, I don't bet, Michael does, I don't, my job, my career, is that I am a former scout a journalist who writes i follow the game through schemes and nerdy stuff so i'm here to give a little bit of insight on how maybe uh, the teams could play out schematically and if that helps you bet then bet with that i i don't know but i got some of the vernacular around betting wrong people weren't happy with i got something crucially wrong which i did appreciate fabian summer who's a who's a big uh pick scan line i i use the old trope that The team at home gets three points. That is, I am told, an outdated trope. And it is now something like 2.9 or 2 points. Um, But apparently it's very difficult to linearly model picks in that way so um home field advantage is difficult to gauge in the betting market so i appreciate people in the gambling world sending me the things i'm getting wrong in the gambling i would just like to say up front i am not here to give you gambling advice i'm here to help preview and and the games and i'll do picks which is a thing i hate and then michael will probably give you a better understanding of whether there's value in the market or not
0: I'll just give the general viewpoint and you, you can actually go into the action. and those basically is what you're saying. I know I have to say I haven't had any message this week, but we'll see this week. Uh, my one last week, Ravens dolphins over 44 and a half. I did not think it would win that substantially. I mean, <laughs> yeah. my God, let's um, let's jump into one of those teams, Ali, the, the, the dolphins going up against the bills in week three of the season. This is a doozy of a game based on how the seasons went so far. Dolphins, just an unbelievable comeback with 28 points in the fourth quarter in week in week two. Um. To us, uh, through six touchdowns, not even just that. There, you know, and I know you've spoken different podcasts, Ollie, but the but the standard of play with certain players, the the yards that was aberration. The 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 index is given the Bills a fifty six percent chance of winning this game on Sunday, and in terms of the handicap, the Bills are favored at minus five and a half point favorites, uh, or minus five and a half, and the over stands at fifty three at nine to ten on, um. This is a really intriguing game. Do you think Tua can go and do it again, throw another five uh, touchdowns, and then
1: it's definitely the game of the week. The two things really stand out with the Bills team that I think are important for people to know for this specific matchup. Number one. The Bills are getting more pressure than anyone in the league with a four-man pass rush, right? They bring in Von Miller so that they never have to blitz. It's exactly what the Rams did last year. Yes, you're getting yourself a future Hall of Fame at a guy who is still an elite, elite pass rusher who crosses that 80 pressure threshold, which makes you an elite guy in the NFL. What he does more than that is change your profile of pass rush, and he makes you someone who never really has to be a five-man pressure team because of the way the Bills structure their pressure packages, and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, it means that they are getting the the kind of the faux protection help in terms of what the offensive line is doing as if they have five guys in the pressure package because of the way because of our miller and you'll remember from the denver days he stands like outside the tight end right so it's like you've got an extra guy rolled down to bring pressure and bring heat so just the way they structure things means they only have to send four guys they got so much talent they are crushing people i think they got like a 60 percent pressure rate which is bonkers and i know it's only two weeks but that's just with a four-man rush right and so what happens when you're only rushing four you've got extra guys in the backfield and the big question that any team facing the dolphins has is can we get enough depth in our defense and can we appropriately layer the defense while getting the depth and if you're a team who's basing out of these single high coverages you've got no chance if you're basing out of two high coverages and you've got two really good safeties you've got a little bit of a chance and the bills are fortunate that they do both they base out of two high coverages now and they've got the best safety tandem in football Uh, And there's another point I will come on to in a second with the Bills' offense, which I think is really intriguing too. So, if anyone can slow this Miami offense down, and I'm not sure they can, I really do think it's week to week that there are so many throws to be made, and if he just hits 8 of the 12 available ones, they're just going to be pretty unstoppable. And what he did last week, right, was he hit... All twelve of the ones that were open, essentially in the in the uh, fourth quarter, and then made three we don't typically expect them to make, and that was how they they wound up winning the game. So it's a tough one, man. If anyone can slow him down, it would be it would be the Bills' defense, just based structurally. But I'm not sure anyone can. <laughs> Waddle and Hill, speed speed kills. You, you just can't stop those guys man speed does kill and
0: then you got other guys as well like you I mean you got you got Kosicki there as well never mind even trying to run the ball it's, it's nuts and um, the total yards of a longest touchdown in this game over 43 and a half yards at 22 to 25 on that's not bad value and in terms of the betting insights Dolphins have went 2-0 and 0 against the spread this season they've won the only game it's played as the underdog this season the Bills are favored on the money line at um, 21 to 50 on and the Bills have covered in each of the two opportunities they've had set against the spread this season. So or it's uh, it's gonna be a hell of a game, but I'm going with the under. Am I mad? I think I something know. tells me that they're just going to cancel each other out and it'll be nuts. But I, I know the Bills have scored 71 or 72 points in the first two games. But I mean something that, that, tells me that, under.
1: That's just one of those ones. I mean, and I, I, that's another one of the messages I got this week, that one, you should never bet unders, which I get people say that because it's a miserable way to watch a game, right? You're rooting for people not to score. It doesn't make much sense. Um, I'm not sure how much the markets would agree with that if some of the pros dm me and not just people who like to gamble they would say probably the value of the market is the under particularly a game like this which is national game of the week everyone's hyped everyone's all in on tour and maybe sean mcdermott does sean mcdermott things leslie fraser does leslie fraser things and they're able to make it grubby until the fourth quarter which is what the the ravens did right it was pretty grubby it wasn't like it was a bonanza up and down chiefs bills playoffs Every single drive. Um, the one thing I do want to say, and I've not looked through UniBet this week to see if there's any specific Josh Allen, uh, props in the passing game. But I wrote about this week. I do this uh, regular column called the Film Room Five, which is like five nerdy notebook things. Um, people can go read on the read optional. Um, uh, if that one, by the way, is free for everyone who watches Ollie,
0: Ollie, seriously, that's an unbelievable read because I read on. I read what you said about Matt Ryan and that Colts offense. Like that is. <laughs> Grim. seriously I love them
1: on seriously so uh, the, the Ravens is something really interesting last week which I guarantee you that uh, Ken Dorsey and the Bills offense will if it's or not or if it's not already in the offense might be tough to install though not necessarily um but if it is in their offense, which I think it will because the way they use Isaiah McKenzie anyway, it will be a feature for them. It's one of those kind of Einstein light bulb moments for them. So everyone knows about all those Miami Dolphins pressure packages, right? They get so many guys crowded around the line, of scrimmage seven, eight guys, and he just blitz the heck out of you. And they obviously crushed Lamar Jackson last season doing this, right? They blitzed him like on 60% of his dropbacks, and he just fell apart in that. Was it like a Thursday night game, I think? Um, and then what happened uh, last week, Lamar just ripped the thing apart, right? And immediately it goes to... Uh, Lamar played better, which is true. He was he was he was quick and more decisive and that kind of stuff and was certainly more accurate. But what they did, all those pressures the dolphins were and they're called read blitzes. So they're reading before they blitz. It's it's like read and react football. If this guy stays into block, I'm dropping. If this guy swivels his head, I'm going, right? And a lot of that stuff is based off the edge of the line of scrimmage. So what the Ravens did, which was really clever, was leave the edge unblocked, but fire a motion man. Across the formation to pick up the edge guy. See, the edge guy is sitting and waiting and hesitating. Okay, he's the he's the go guy, right? So, someone in the middle of the line of scream to say, okay, I gotta wait and see what the guy in the end of the line of scrimmage is doing, oh shit, he's going, so I've got to drop because someone has to fill the space behind, right? That's kind of the mechanics how it works. And as the guy thinks he's got a free rush from the end of the line of scrimmage and he starts hitting the backfield, here comes the motion man flying across the formation to clean him out, and now you've picked up the... the there's no real blitz, and it's been picked up anyway, and Lamar Jackson can sit there and pick people apart. That has not happened before with the Dolphins team, since they've been running this Brian Flores style that they've kept this season because they kept the DC from the Brian Flores era... It's, it's basically a cheat code to break a lot of that read stuff. Now you can change how they do the reading that the Patriots do in a different way, but that's what the Dolphins have done forever, and so it would be a pretty massive overall to make within one week. That's something that will probably take a few weeks. So I, I think that the Dolphins' defense could be in, in real trouble in third-down situations. They don't have, like, all-world oh, we'll get-off-and-go guys. They, they are a team who gets schemed-up pressures a lot of the time, and if you can't scheme up pressure against Josh Allen, you're in big, big big trouble and if you're going to send heat and they're picking the heat up and you're giving him one-on-ones to Stefan Diggs and all these guys who can go and create huge chunk plays after the catch you're in big 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 trouble so i i'm i'm really heavy on the uh, the Bills offense and Josh Allen on whatever the numbers are this week i'm i'm all in on on their figures
0: in terms of third down, third down efficiency for the Dolphins, um, they rank sixth in the NFL in terms of a third down conversion rate and 16th on the other side of the ball. At the moment 36.8 percent third down rate allowed. There's my stat of the week. You talked about Lamar. I put this in as like an extra game today because I find it as more, I find it more value or more of a talking point than Monday. Like I, I personally feel that Monday night football is hard to predict this week in terms of betting. So, um, Ravens against the Patriots, um in baltimore um, the ravens uh, i'll I'll double check this in baltimore but the ravens are minus three point favorites 10 to 11 on the over is 43 and a half i like it ollie because i can see lamar jackson and and that offense honestly just getting down the field against the patriots and mac jones last week had um a couple of hundred yards and i think two passing touchdowns and you can see that they're starting to integrate better with him and if he's you know given more protection yeah what could happen in this game It's, it's it's an interesting figure for the over
1: that that's huge. The protection, you know, the offensive line struggled the first week. They were they were really really good. Um, last week the the big the big difference for the Patriots, You know, we spent this whole off season. they radically changing the offense. Right, they're running the Cal Shanahan offense now. They're um uh. Uh, they're, they're, you know, Matt, Patricia's calling plays, and he's never done that before. and What's that all going to look like? And they they tried to really shift things. And then in week two, they said, you know what, bleep all of that. Let's go back to what we ran last season. um Let's get Mac Jones in the shotgun where he can see the whole field and he can just get the ball and spray it around quickly. And hey, presto, they were able to move the ball a little bit better than they could do in week one where it was just a, a bit of a tire fire. Um, I think the big concern for the Patriots, as it is all season long, is whether or not they have the athleticism on defense to really compete when you get into track meet style of offense. And uh, uh, people slept on Rashad Bateman this whole time. He was really good in limited time last season um and just was wide open and was not hit by Tyler Huntley. And now we see what happens when he's wide open playing with Lamar Jackson and he's healthy is he can run away from everyone. He's the quickest player in the league for, for last week in a league that has the cheetah and Jalen Waddle. Quickest player in that game by NFL next gen stats in a game that had Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. That's pretty insane. So I, I would have big big concerns. All the moving pieces of that Ravens offense, the the new kind of of style of offensive running, which is they now can bounce between thumping you in the face and spraying it to the perimeter, which they didn't really do the year before. Um, I that That's a lot to demand of that Patriots, particularly the linebacking core. So yeah, I, I think it could be a tough one for the Pats. You're saying it's is it in Foxborough, you're saying? It's in Foxborough and the
0: over is 43.5. You're talking about Bateman there, he had what, a 75-yard uh, touchdown last week. Um, over 39.5 uh, in terms of yards for any touchdown in the game, is the same odds as the first game, 22 to 25. You never know what could happen. Lamar could run for 99 yards. <laughs> Something can happen there, but they've got the speed and they've got the players and that offense to, to, to really make it work. The, the one thing that is really interesting to me, Ollie, is um, the Patriots are the fourth worst team in the league in points per game. They've an average of 12 points so far, but at the minute they've only let in 17 points. So I'm starting to think, look, I'm not going to be negative. I'm going to go the over. All right, but I'm just saying there's too many flies coming to some of these games for me, but uh, I like the Ravens minus straight because I just, I can't see it being a game where it's it's going to be tight. I think the Patriots will either get off to a good start or the Ravens will just honestly blow them out with that offense. I really I really think that'll happen. So I, I've got them going. I, I've got the Ravens winning by 10 personally.
1: I, I think I like it's it. one we know within like three drives each It's kind of like, does Belichick, this is the problem with betting against, betting against Belichick both philosophically and then with physical cash as a home dog is like, but he might just have a really clever plan for Lamar that bamboozles them for a couple of quarters and then then it becomes kind of a real slog. In the in the fourth quarter, right, and it's kind of like a possession by possession situation. The fourth quarter, that's but I, I really, really, really like this Ravens defense. I wrote about them last week. I know they had meltdowns and tons of coverage busts in the Miami game. It's unusual to be facing Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Doesn't happen to most people. And as you mentioned, Mike Kosicki, too. And they had. One four cornerbacks out, or one playing with basically a a, a a lame leg, and then they ran more than any secondaries ever run in the history of the NFL since they brought in next gen stats, which I believe was 2012. So it was that was an unusual game uh, for that defense, and they're re- they're really really talented, doing some really cool stuff. So um, I I think I'm I'm picking the
0: Ravens here too some pages games this week let's let's slide to the next one in a later window on Sunday Cardinals up against the Rams Rams obviously Super Bowl champions a very very good offense last year they're currently sitting 26 in overall offense 290 yards average per game uh, Rams minus three and a half uh, favorites on the handicap at 22 to 25 on the over and I'm going to publicly say and I'm going to be positive I'm going to take the over 48 and a half 9 to 10 on you got Kyler Murray going up against Matthew Stafford and his offense. Surely, surely, we're gonna to have touchdowns here, Ollie. Yeah,
1: yeah. And no, I, I wouldn't be stunned. You know me. If the if the Rams got that all on their own, um, I, I, I think that defense versus that offense. Sean McVay has seen everything they've ever tried to throw at anyone, right? And it's just a mess defensively on the Cardinals. I don't want to keep doing this every single week. Again, I love Vance Joseph, man. I love him. Um, Eventually,
0: Vance Joseph and Cliff Cliff Kingsbury are going to be gone and we're going to... (laughs) Uh,
1: All I need is Vance to get to somewhere else. Now, did he blow it in week one with the most bizarre game plan of all time against Patrick Mahomes? Yes, that was on him. That wasn't just on the defense. arm. And everyone's saying, oh, he blitzed 50% of the time against Patrick Mahomes. That was career suicide. All true, all well and true. He's doing that, as we've detailed on here now for six months because they have no pass rushers up front. No natural pass rushes, no guys who aren't always injured. Um So he felt he had to do it, and they got completely roasted. Understandable. Um, but yeah, uh, Sean McVeigh against that style of defense, the best quarterback for three years running versus the Blitz, has been Matthew Stafford, numerically. He has the highest EPA per play versus the Blitz for three years running, and one of those was in Detroit. All right. So, if they have the Blitz, which the Cardinals feel they have to do, they torture and if you have tendencies and the Cardinals have some pretty severe tendencies at the moment because they, they do not trust their secondary at all, Sean McVeigh will slice it apart so I would not be stunned if the Rams hit that over all on their lonesome um, I would like to see Matthew Stafford go a game
0: without throwing picks he's yeah, I think, three interceptions in the first game I think two, a minimum two last week and not like obviously any interception messes up your drive but if you're trying to get down the field and score points and hopefully for all of us hit the over that's going to be an issue uh, Cardinals have let in an average of 33.5 points per game so far that is atrocious I liked I mean how could you not love the comeback last week and the way that Kyler Murray played towards the end of that game the Rams have been
1: a I'm not been doing a that again no, you, you, yeah? I know that Kyler's a cheat code and he's a computer game piece and all that but running around for 25 seconds without a holding call but the most amazing part of that play is there was no holding call or any illegal body in an illegal spot it was pretty insane you that's never happening again where he's running around for 25 seconds particularly not when Aaron Donald is on the field
0: something has to give because the Cardinals have allowed a a 406 yards on average per contest Uh, so far I know it's only two weeks in this season but the Rams um are a bottom five offense in terms of yards per play. So something has to give. And the run game is really poor as well, so they need to do something. And, yeah, it could be in like a knife through butter. Talking about a knife through butter, is it too soon to talk about Trey Lance in Sunday Night Football and the San Francisco 49ers? From a betting angle, this is now completely changed. For the fact that the matter is uh, the Denver Broncos, who are hosting this game in in Denver, um are going in as the underdogs. The Niners are one and a half point favourites at 10 to 11 on. The over-under is 44 and a half. But the concept of this game has changed now, only with, uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo coming in, with the Broncos fans singing numerical songs in the crowd, count down the play clock, with Russell Wilson looking fired up. I, I don't know. I, it, this, this is a hard game to call, but it should be a good game as well, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, we spoke about... We do, we do the instant reaction pods on Sunday nights for people who aren't long-time subscribers. You and I do them. And so we kind of... In the immediate kind of waft of what happened with Trey Lance, both of us looking behind us at the the magazine cover to, to launch the season for Gridiron, being selfish. Um, but I said it on that show, and I, you know I stand by it that they were. With Jimmy Garoppolo, a throw away from winning the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, and he missed it. And they were a dropped pick from his Jimmy Ward, right? Dropped the pick from making the Super Bowl again with Jimmy Garoppolo. He, he That offense functions better with Garoppolo. That's just a fact. What they were trying to do was change the offense in the hopes that, that they could push them over the line in January. It was always going to be, you know. A lower floor, a higher ceiling, way more swings, weak sweet with Lance. with grappler, you have stasis, you know the deal. you probably score in twenty one points if you get a defensive takeaway, maybe you can get closer to thirty, and then you hope that your defense plays out of their mind if they as they have done every time they've made a real run with grappler, so I think this more this has very little to do with the Niners' offense from here on out, honestly, that I think they just are who they are. We've seen them. They're good at this. Jimmy is fine, though not great, and that's plenty good enough to get you to the playoffs and then a crappy NFC be competitive in the playoffs. It comes down to me to the Niners' defense, and it comes down to the state of that Broncos' offense.
0: And the state of that Bronco, the Broncos' offense is probably the most intriguing point of it for me. Fan side, of, you know, taking that whole thing aside, the Broncos' offense have been so lackluster so far this season. The way they played in Seattle, where they should have scored, in my opinion, anywhere from fourteen to seventeen extra points. So many wasted opportunities in the red zone, and. Honestly, the game against Houston was was concerning, I think, for any for anyone who's a fan of the team. They, they couldn't they, they can't run the ball effectively as, as much anymore. They weren't like you know, last year you could count on Javante Williams and, Mel- and Melvin Gordon getting the ball down the field this year. It's like okay, we're only two games in, but there seems to be a struggle there. Is Nathaniel hackett up to it? I don't know. Um the thing for the 49ers is George Kittle, he returned to practice as a limited participant on Wednesday. They seem to be confident on on him starting. I wonder how fit is he, but at the end of the day, if he's starting on Sunday, he's a huge upgrade for Jimmy Garoppolo and he needs people to throw the ball to, so that'll be huge for them. Um, The Broncos have been quite poor against the run so far. They're 10th in the NFL, they've got 126 yards uh, per game so far, and I'm concerned that if they incorporate Debo a little bit down the offense, that honestly... I think, I'm, I think the Niners are going to win. I think one and a half points in terms of a money line, if you're going to go with the handicap instead of the money line is generous and it's good at 10 to 11 on. I'm not too sure about the over at 44 and a half, but I have got the 49ers winning this game because I don't think the Broncos offense is, honestly, at the level it needs to be to beat a team... Of that quality at the moment,
1: you know, I I went through them last night. I texted you about it this morning, I think. Right, I can't remember. Um, I I ran through the the game against Houston last night a couple of times, and I I don't think it's anywhere near as bad. I think the. When you watch it on the broadcast, it's an entirely different experience to watching the coaches film on the All-22. And I get it because it's really frustrating. So when you're watching on the broadcast, one, the coach has the Freddy Kitchens look, right? He has that Freddy Kitchens zone thing of this guy does not get it, right? As the head coach, right? I actually think Nathaniel Hackett pretty savvy as an offensive guy. I know all the numbers all his offenses are always terrible but they, he did some good things in Green Bay in terms of how they built out the offense although he wasn't the play caller and that's the issue. He's never been a play caller. No one on that staff has ever called plays. So they are completely learning and that is insane to me when It's you very have, young
0: as well. Very very young. They've the
1: never either run a unit or, or called plays. Any of them. Other than him and he got fired midway through a season when he called plays in Jacksonville. That's it in terms of calling plays. Special teams coordinator has never coordinated special teams. Simple stuff like that. And so they've had the most procedural penalties in the NFL, and then you get the, um, what is it, five goal-to-go situations where they haven't scored. That's the most since 2000, I believe. So that stuff, to me... That It's mad that you would build an organization that way when you're trying to microwave a championship. This is not a seven-year project. It's basically they paid Russell Wilson a five-year contract to get three years of a championship window, knowing without legs at the end, it's probably not going to be pretty pretty. But you want to compete with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. And by the end of that five-year contract, they're going to be at the peak of their powers, probably, just based on age, compared to where Russell will be. So they're trying to win now and yet they have this youthful staff in terms of how young the guys are, and guys who've never done the jobs they hired them to do before. It's just insane. So, yeah, you're going to get brutal pre-snap penalties. You're going to get major procedural issues. You're going to get, this should never happen, but a guy who's never called plays properly, and when he did, he was awful at it, and he's also the head coach, so now he's got no idea how to count or what the clock is, right? That's what's happening here. That stuff is brutal. I do think that will normalize, though. When I was watching the film, you know, it's a typical. What they've done is taken the Packers run game that Nathaniel Hackett helped install, and they've they've changed that, and then they have just allowed Russell to run Russell's passing game, which I have major problems with, uh, just in general. And we can go into if we need to. Maybe that's time for a different podcast. But that's what they've done. They've said, you have the passing game, we'll have the run game, and we'll figure it out. And the passing game has actually been pretty effective, but they've had a ton of drops, and they can't convert in the red zone, right? So there's issues with Russell's passing game, particularly with where we are with defenses in in 2022. And I think that's a long-term problem, particularly as he ages and he can't move anymore. That's a major, major uh, systematic flaw. But I I think they'll be fine. I think it looks stylistically okay. Um, I think guys are open, and he's refusing to throw to certain spots in the field. He's always been that way. Um, I think they've moved the ball pretty well through the air, and then they just can't convert in the red zone, and that that is bad play-calling, but also, look, they had those two goal-line fades, right? They probably should have scored on both of them against the Texans early on, and then just shitty (laughs) play-calling, you know, running zone from the gun, as all all these coaches want to do for some reason and just get stuffed, so I think they'll normalise. I don't think they're as far away as kind of the persona of, oh, my God, this is broken. These guys have no idea what they're doing. I think that's true in terms of the big picture of the whole organisation. The owner doesn't know name, the name of the commissioner. These guys have never done the job before. They gave a 33-year-old mobile quarterback a five-year uh, contract. $245 yep. Million yep. deal. As he gets increasingly immobile, and it's wrecking the passing offense. <laughs> so that's a problem. But I actually think now for this year, they were always going to be a second half of the year team. You know, I, I talked that with you all through the offseason. I wrote about it a ton. That's the way that it was built. This was never going to be a happy coach-quarterback marriage from the get-go. Um, and their issue is their final six weeks of the season is like the toughest schedule you'll ever see in your lifetime. And that's probably when they'll get it right. Whereas if you look at them now, they should win every game between now and their bye in week nine. they have the talent to do that. This is probably the toughest one this week. So I think it comes down it comes down to that Broncos offense. I think that I think they'll surprise people this week. I, I can't imagine they'll have as many procedural issues this week. And when they're not having those issues, it's not been insane when you just watch it. In terms of the design and what they're executing, as opposed to you have all the emotion of the broadcast and you're seeing the clock wind down and you're it's flashing to the face of the coach who just looks completely spooked and confused.
0: I I still can't believe that's happened. And I think one thing as well, I know you sort of said it there, like for the new ownership to come in after all these guys have been brought in, you have to ask yourself, what have they been different? But again, a, a conversation for a different podcast. Oh, yeah. I've I've got the Niners.
1: Ben Solak had that great piece this week on the Ringer which was essentially, they, they hired Nathaniel Hackett as Aaron Rodgers' bait, they thought they were in, they knew Aaron Rodgers was going to detonate the building in Green Bay, that was their assumption in that they thought ha- having Hackett would give them a leg up in the Aaron Rodgers Derby, and when Rodgers decided he was staying they kind of looked around, panicked, and traded everything for Russell Wilson. Um, and they never seem to sit down and think, how will that marriage gel when they are completely diametrically opposed stylistically? And Nathaniel Hackett, with the best will in the world, has never kind of presented himself as some kind of McVeigh philosopher, right? He helped build this very specific system with uh, Aaron Rodgers, where he was lucky to be in the building with Matt LaFleur, when Matt LaFleur designed that system. And it was, can I pick that up and drop it with Russell Wilson, which would have been wonderful if... Russell Wilson was willing to acquiesce to that, and he just never has been in his entire career. It's the same offense every single year with Russell Wilson. For four weeks, the new guy comes in, he tries to run some cool stuff. Uh, by week five, he says, why the f*** am I staying in the building till three in the morning? This guy won't run any of it. And they've rip all the stuff the new guy tried, pulled out the playbook, and they go back to all the stuff Russell wants to do. And they've just started that way in Denver. So, uh, I don't
0: know. He only wears them. up. Let's yeah, I, I
1: think I think they'll surprise people this week on offense. I really do. Um Michael and Ollie's
0: bet of the week is like a T-shirt opportunity. Can I just say now, before I give my bet of the week, that anything I say should not be taken seriously. I'm not a professional gambler in any way, shape, or form. Please do bet responsibly. gambler aware. The Chiefs minus six at twenty two to twenty five on is printing money. Sorry about this. <laughs> and it was my, it was minus three last week. Minus three and a half. It's like come on. Like, this game will be over by halftime. Ollie, you've got an interesting one. You we have the same game.
1: What? Yeah, yeah. We come for the same game. So I apologize, people. I would double down on this one hard. Um, I've got Chiefs over 27.5 points versus the Colts. If you look at, you know my antagonism towards Gus Bradley, right? Nothing, no personal animus, just the guy refuses to evolve with where the league is at is running the same defense and when he came to indianapolis what did we hear don't worry guys i'm not going to change the defense um i'm not going to run cover three cover one single high safety stuff in a world where all these offenses that we've seen rip through the league for four years have been designed to destroy the stuff that seattle built when gus bradley was there Everyone has moved to two deep safeties, right? Let's try and force these guys to drive 12, 13, 14 plays down the field and hope, like you said with Matt Stafford, he makes five mistakes in two weeks and gives us the ball. That's that's where the NFL is at at the moment. This guy came in and said, yeah... Don't worry, Matt Eberflus, who was there as a DC before, was the highest proponent of passive defense, forcing to drive down the field. He said, I'm going to keep it all, don't worry about it. I knew the second he traded for Yannick Ngokwe, and, and he got his guy from Vegas, that that was not happening. And what has he done? Straight back to cover three, 78% of dropbacks is either single high man coverage or cover three country's drop zone, essentially. So you're not even touching receivers off the line of scrimmage. and uh, It's just horrifying against... Uh, uh, an offense in Kansas City where even when they're string remember last year they were struggling remember that there was like 11 weeks of this offense good enough whenever they oh, yeah. face Gus Bradley they scored 45 points that's what they do against Gus Bradley he doesn't change his defense and the Chiefs score 45 50 points every time against him and he's not adapted again and so I just think they are gonna smash this Colts defense over the head I know Shaquille Leonard's back and that's great and all that would be great if they were running a system that was appropriate for the team they are facing, and they are not.
0: The Colts um, are rank outsiders in this game, and, and the odds that Ollie was getting there are o- over 27.5 points by the Chiefs, 17 to 20 on. The Chiefs are 5 to 1 to win by 13 to 18 points as a winning margin. Just putting that out there. Ollie, um, it's been great to chat to you again, sir. I'm just, just saying, if everyone listening to this podcast, thanks so much for your support. Really appreciate it. If you do want to have a look at the weekend's odds, you can check out the uh, bio for a, a link on the unibet you get a bonus with your first sign up do check it out folks Uh please be aware 18 plus uh t's and c's apply please only bet what you can afford and we'll be back for week four are we gonna do it live in london is that, is that the plan i think we should do it. i think we should do it. yeah see you then man.